Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is episode 131, and it is the 17th of October. We've got a big show for you guys coming up. We're going to be talking to Amanda Stoker, MP. She is one of the rising stars of the Liberal Party, I'd say. So it's really exciting to get her on the show, talk about her story, uh, and talk about you know, where it is for the Liberals right now. Mm. We're also going to be talking to Luca Rossi, a student from Monash University, uh, just about what's going on down at Monash University and a few other fun things that uh, we wanted to talk about with him. Mm. That's a really fun stars. interview. Yes. Uh, yeah, very impressive kid. Much more than us. Uh, we also got a bunch of other stuff. We've got Heroes and Villains. We've got a really good um, re- really good edition of the quiz. Pete going for an absolute dynasty. Mm. A whole bunch of stuff. Uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, another banking inquiry. Pete, anything you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to speaking to Luca. As you mentioned, it was a great chat. Also, I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy in this edition. Really? In the, in On the our behalf or theirs? Oh, maybe a bit of both. Yeah. And also, it's a very good quiz. It is a very good quiz. All right, but let's start off with Extinction Rebellion because that seems to be one of the big stories. Yeah. Last week saw all the protests around the country. The there world. was like seven... Yeah, and the world. There were like seven days of protests in Melbourne. Uh, there seems to be a lot of media coverage for them. I never actually saw a protest, so I'm wondering how influential it was. Maybe I was just in you know the safe areas, as Pete <laughs> pointed out last week. Uh, yeah, because you live in a hipster area. I do live in a hipster area. Uh, but anyway, so what's come through is that more than 40 climate activists in Victoria are facing up to five years imprisonment after a week of uh, protests that reportedly cost the state $3 million. So the Victoria police have said that uh, 16,000 patrol hours involving officers from the public order response team, the mounted branch, highway patrol, wall vans, search and rescue, as well as logistic advisors and drones operators. I'll tell you what, for 40 climate activists that got arrested, that is a lot of manpower. Well, like, is, is, there mu- is being the policeman much harder than I think it is? Oh, look, that is a lot of people. I'm not sure how hard you think it is or how hard it actually is, but you know, credit where it's due. They yeah. wanted to cause mayhem and they managed they, they to do it. They have caused uh, logistical mayhem for the police. Uh, you also said officers were diverted from proactive operations, including family violence, roads, and drug squads oh, okay. with the overtime bill alone, expected to hit hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, I think if the road squad and the drug squad were occup- uh, were monitoring Victoria Police, uh, sorry, m- monitoring uh, the climate protesters, I still think they're in their purview. <laughs> like, There's yeah. going to be a lot of road problems and there's going to be a lot of drug problems yeah, as well. If anything, it might have made it easy for them, just yeah. all being one place yeah and then this raises the thing because uh while neither of them should have to pay for the victoria police to do this stuff if the victoria police are going to charge milo yiannopoulos or like lawrence southern for the protests outside their events then by that logic the climate activists should have to pay as well neither should pay that is not my point but if that side has to pay, then the other side has to pay. Look, that's exactly right. I mean, what's the difference between the two? I think, as I agree with you, I don't think you should um, have to pay because otherwise you just sort of go down the thing of if you create mayhem out of someone's event, you know you're going to shut them down. Exactly. Of course, to their credit, neither of those two individuals have paid those bills yet. So that's yeah. that's good to hear. Look, my major problem with Extinction Rebellion... and so, Sorry, that is like an actual thing. Like Victorian Shadow Minister, police, Victorian Shadow Police Minister David Southwick said on Sky News that uh, surely they should be paying for it. So he, sorry, he was saying that Extinction Rebellion should pay. Yeah, surely uh, they should be sent a bill. Well, yeah, I mean, as I said, look, I think it could go down the, the old black hole of any time you cause yeah. a mayhem into someone's event, they're in trouble. Yeah. So, so your thing with Extinction Rebellion. So my thing with Extinction Rebellion, I've gone in a slightly different direction. On the weekend, when was it? I think it was, uh, it was over the, yeah, on Saturday in Melbourne down Elizabeth Street. Uh, I want to show a bit of footage of the nudie run from Extinction Rebellion. Play, oh. the, play the tape Family all. show, Pete. Stop the extinction! 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 Stop the
Right, so for those listening on 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 the uh, listening apps and not showing the footage, uh, that is just Extinction Rebellion doing their nudie run. Yeah. But James... You've that, seen naked people before. That is not a nudie run. They are all wearing underwear. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you want to see nudity, play the nudity salt. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put any nudity on. That is not nudity. All right. They've got their underwear on. If you reckon the planet's going to end in three years, yep. get your knob out. <laughs> We'll see. Been making a uh, very brave stand for more nudity on, yeah. on our streets. A lot of creepy uh, blokes in that footage of, as well, I might add. A lot of people would go, hang on, why don't we just bring in Shane? Why do we need to take our clothes off? But not Pete. Pete wants more nudity. So, if you dink him. <laughs> if you dink him, says Pete. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's tighten things up a little yeah, here. Yeah. And Pete, a bit loose. Uh, talk to us about the Nobel Prize okay. because. <laughs> What I want to say is I nearly put a life-altering amount of money on Greta Thunberg to win the Nobel Peace yeah, okay. Prize. I thought that was the biggest layup in the history of the world. I thought, you know, you've got the same committee that gave it to Barack Obama yeah. for the uh, great honour of not being George Bush. And yeah. this is exactly the type of people that would go, Greta's going to save the world. Mm. And it didn't go to Greta. Well, I'm glad, glad I didn't, didn't put the money on. I'm glad you didn't make that decision. And I thought the Nobel Peace Prize was stupid until they gave it to someone that I liked. <laughs> so Abiy Ahmed, Prime Minister of Ethiopia, won the Nobel Peace Prize. It's still stupid. Sorry. In case you missed it. Well, it's stupid because some of it... As long as Yasser Arafat and Barack Obama are recipients yeah. of the Nobel Peace Prize, it's a stupid award. That's right. So, except... In this, thanks for this year. Yeah. Um, He's a good guy. The Nobel Peace Prize is stupid. Yeah. Both things can be true. That's true. Okay. So most of the attention for Abiy Ahmed for getting the prize has been on his political achievements. He's reduced conflict. Ethiopia is engaged in a very long war with Eritrea, which he's managed to take significant steps towards stopping. He's also been able to broker peace in South Sudan and media, mediate a dispute yep. between Kenya and Somalia. And he's, his push-up game is strong. That's if anyone right. saw the clip that went viral... The man can push up. That's right. He had a push-up uh, competition with some of his political rivals. No, with, with soldiers. Yeah, yeah. With actual soldiers. Who were his political rivals. Yeah, yeah. Which, but like, he was out push-upping soldiers. Yeah, and he, and he won, which means that he won that conflict. Anyway, he's also uh, released 60,000 political prisoners from uh, jail. He's ended the repressive civil society law and has uh, re-cultivated independent media in the country, which is very authoritarian. Up till now. Now, what hasn't got as much coverage for Ahmed is his economic achievements, which in February to the Financial Times he described as my economic model is uh, is capitalism. (laughs) This has uh, consisted of privatising the government's telecom sector, selling off stakes in state energy, shipping and sugar companies. Uh, And there's also plans to launch a domestic stock exchange in 2020. Ethiopia's economy is expected to rise by 9% this year, James, which to be fair was going pretty well anyway before Ahmed got in. Anyway... That's Abiy Ahmed. I don't want to get too carried away because things can change very quickly yep. in a place like Ethiopia, but at the moment he's doing a great job. Yeah, and that echoes exactly what we were talking about with Val Sloan last week, which mm. is the path to alleviating poverty in places like Africa isn't foreign aid. It is countries developing uh, institutions and embracing free market capitalism. Like That's how you get things done. Exactly right. Fantastic stuff. All right. Uh, so the other thing we want to talk about is uh, we're having another banking inquiry. So yes. uh, let's prepare the media circus because we're going through another one. Uh, Josh Frydenberg has instructed the ACCC to look into uh, another inquiry for the banks uh, because they failed to pass on interest rate cuts as much as Josh Frydenberg would like. Uh, it's, you know, we like, he, okay, so here's the thing. Here's, here begins the rant. We all know what a banking inquiry is. I don't really need to go into a whole much, lot more detail about what it is. But here's the facts. We have had 57 banking inquiries since 57. the GFC. 57 in what, 10 years? Yeah. Uh, since the GFC, 57. So here's how it'll go. 
Josh Frydenberg calls on the ACCC to investigate the banks. The ACCC investigates the banks. They'll find all these things that are wrong. Each bank will find someone named Kevin on the 27th floor Kevin and say it's all their fault and fire them in front of the world and we'll all go, okay, the problem solved. There will be some legislation that looks good on surface, but all it does is make it just a little bit harder for other banks to come into Australia or new banks to form in Australia. Uh, and we'll be back here every nine months because you've just got the same four banks who can do whatever the hell they want because where the hell else are we going to go? And we'll do this dance again every nine months until one day the sun eats the earth. <laughs> like that is exactly what's going to happen. I'm and if you want real change to the banking industry, and let's face it, who doesn't apart from the people at the top of the big four banks, you've got to deregulate and you've got to allow new banks to form and you've got to allow other banks to come into Australia and start doing business. Like that's the only way this happens. Well, I must say the more I hear about this sun eating the earth thing, the less <laughs> I care for it. Yeah. But look, I think it's great listeners that our that our colleague here, James Bold, is finally getting excited about finances. I think yeah. he's got up and I think our boy's becoming a man, listeners. I'm other- still not 100% sure I've done my taxes this year. So <laughs> let's not get carried away about how excited I am about finances. But I think, it, I think it's a positive step. Anyway, yep. I, but I would, best sleeping pill known to man. Well, I think you're selling us short. Right. Because we raised an issue with the finance sector last week, silly uh, statements on money transfers. Yes. We said Josh Frydenberg got it. Lo and behold, next week there's a... Inquiry. Well, he's good on uh, writing funny things at the end of a bank statement. He's bad on top-level changes to the banking reform. Yeah. So, so, you know, no one's perfect and no one's imperfect. James will keep you posted on how that develops over time because he loves <laughs> Angrily it. Angrily and uh, with fire in he my He loves belly. this stuff. All right, uh, let's go over to our heroes and villains segment. So, you know, the people that have stood up and the people mm. uh, for liberty and the people who have stood up against liberty. Let's focus in on... Well, oh, there he is. Saul. Every week. Saul just picks the best moment every time. Uh, sorry, that was the snort of freedom, grunt the pig... Uh, uh, the pig famously banned from walking around because he is a pig. Uh, and we want to acknowledge people that have stood up for freedom. And Pete, you've got a pretty good one this I've week. I've got an awesome one. I think next time we should do the hero second so we can end on a high. But let's talk about that before we do the next show. Uh, now, in 1997, the Socceroos travelled to the Yazadi Stadium in Tehran and Harry Kuehl did this. Is that here or Harry Kuehl? here for Kuehl. A goal for Australia. A brilliant start for okay. the Socceroos. So, no, just let this clip run a bit longer. So, for those those listening, no, I mean, that's as good a start as you can get. So, for those listening, that was Harry Kuehl, a 19 year old Harry Kuehl, scoring for the Socceroos in 1997 in the Azadi Stadium. Now, what was more significant about that event was that there was 128,000 people there, which was a a record crowd for that stadium. One woman in the ground, and that was the wife of the former Soccer Australia boss, David Hill. The rest of the 128,000 people were men because it was Iran. Now, last Thursday, 3,000 tickets in that very same stadium were made available to, the, to women for the first time in four decades. Wow. And they sold out in minutes as Iran took on Cambodia. Now, this comes after a long campaign from Iranian football fans or female football fans wanting to be able to watch the games along with the men. Uh, a woman called Sahar Kodayari, 29, set herself on fire last month after learning she might go to jail for sneaking in to a game. Uh, a local female sports reporter said she was shaking with excitement being able to watch the game. Fantastic stuff. Now, there's a long way to go, obviously. Only 3,000 people were allowed, 3,000 women were allowed in the stadium that fits 78,000 people and they were segregated. They weren't sitting with the men, but this is a start, yeah. James, and it comes on. And the I think back. the other thing I read was like there was no men there because it was a bit of a snooze fest of a game. Well, like you had three thousand women absolutely crammed in, and then no part of the other stadium was even remotely full. I don't want to. I don't want to bag uh, Cambodia because I lived there for a while, but they got done fourteen nil. <laughs> That's a bit of a hiding. They got done fourteen nil, and this is, this has come off the back of real bravery from yeah. women facing you know really like threats to their lives yeah. basically. 
and they've done it. So well, good on them. My yeah, the reason I bring that up is because like it just shows how hungry they are to watch soccer. Like mm. they'll go to a game that no one wants to go to, but just they want to go to a game. Yeah, and the images of them entering the stadium and you know being there for the first time was pretty heartwarming. Yeah, so yeah. female Iranian soccer fans, you are my hero for this week. All right, uh, my hero is uh, look. I'm not a gamer, so I'm going to have to white knuckle my way through this one. But there is a <laughs> po- important point to be made. Now, yeah. my hero of the week is uh, this guy named Blitzchung. Uh, and his actual name is Chung Naiwan. Now, he is a gamer uh, professionally with a game called Hearthstone. I don't know what that is. But anyway, uh, people might know this story already before I start speaking about it. But uh, he won a prize uh, for playing Hearthstone. He's giving a post-match interview and he's from Hong Kong. And so he says in Mandarin, free Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blizzard Entertainment, who own Hearthstone uh, and were running the tournament, came down on him like a ton of bricks. They said they would strip him, uh, they would ban him from competition for a year and strip him of all of his prize money. And like he definitely knew the risks of doing that on a broadcast for a game that sells quite well in China. Mm. So that's why he's a hero. And, you know, the internet reacted very terribly, uh, very well to this. They came down on Blizzard Entertainment and Blizzard have changed it to say that there's now a six month uh, competition suspension and they will give him his prize money back with the president uh, saying that the company had reacted too quickly. And uh, he also said another thing that I really want to highlight here. He said, I want to be clear, our relationships in China had no influence on our decision. <laughs> I'm not sure. It just happened. Back. Like that—that that is just the carte blanche. If you say a question wrong in a post-match interview, you yeah. will be banned from competition for a year, and your prize money yeah. will be suspended. Nothing. To do that's with just China. a rule we've had for decades. Yeah, yeah. That's been there for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Criticise the refs who have for a whole year. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know if there are refs in Hearthstone. I think not it's familiar. probably just a computer algorithm. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Blitzjong is the hero of the week. All right. Can uh, I just say though? Yeah. Gamers. So that's People Power, right? Who made that happen? Yes. Gamers, gamers get a bit rising. of a bad rap for being, you know, incel white supremacists. Yeah, losers. But in this case, good on them. Yeah. Um, had a joke, but I'm not going to make it. Uh, all right, let's move over to our villain segment. Uh, so, uh, Pete, talk us through, yeah, the Walter Peck or Howard Peck? Walter Peck, free, uh, Tyranny Award mm. for uh, standing up for tyranny and yep. standing up against freedom. So, Pete, or it would have just sucked. People that have just sucked this week. Yeah. And I think that's where your one falls into. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, oh, James, I want you to imagine yeah. if Alan Jones said this about a left-wing woman. All right, let me let me think. So it's going to come up on the screen for those watching at home. Yeah, let and me get into character as someone who is easily outraged by what Alan Jones says, despite I never listened to the show. Yeah, it wasn't Alan Jones. It was Tony Windsor, but I'm just asking you to play a thought yeah. process. Now, what this tweet says, I have some sympathy for KAK, which is Kerry ann Kennelly. Yep. She's not the first person to have an adverse mental impacts from plastic surgery. It's called dipstick syndrome and is exacerbated by seeing other bodies lying around when not happy in your own. Not to be confused with bimboitis. So I was getting it confused with bimboitis. So that was that was Tony Windsor, yeah. uh, former independent from New England, talking about Kerry Ann Kennelly because she had the temerity to offer a different opinion yep. on uh, climate change protesters. Now, I do these every couple of weeks, James, as you know, because you are contractually obliged to be here. <laughs> I do every couple of weeks. I have a left-wing man who is abusing a right-wing woman because they can't you know, deal with a woman disagreeing with them. Yeah. We had Jacinda Price a few weeks ago. She was abused because she had the temerity to talk about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It's happened to Rita Panahi. It's happened to Miranda Devine. Uh, to the credit of his followers, so grassroots lefties, let's call them, there are all these comments under that tweet saying, come on, Tony Windsor, that's not good enough. Yeah. So it's not, a, it's not uh, having a crack at those. I'm having a crack at the professional lefties who love talking about this stuff when it's, you know, Alan Jones, but won't talk about Tony Windsor. Yeah. I put into Google, Tony Windsor misogyny, Tony Windsor misogyny, you know who came up? 
that woman hater Andrew Bolt. Wow. It was the only article about it. Okay. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, if, like, Alan Jones had sponsors pull away from him because he, you know, in a slip of the tongue, had that, like, Jacinda Ardern sock down, Jacinda. you know, Jacinda Ardern sock down the... Th- I can't remember what the exact mm. quote was, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like, there was no uh, slip of the tongue. This is, like, a typed-out tweet that I yeah. think is still up. Still there, uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, there has been no reaction at all. Yeah. Uh, mainly because Tony Windsor doesn't have any sponsors because no one cares what he thinks anymore. Uh, but the other part of this Tony Windsor thing is he is 69 years old. Mm. Like, you know how there's like a minimum age for Twitter? There should also be a maximum age. There's like, a, there is eventually a point where people should just go, you know what? Uh, you don't like you shouldn't have Twitter anymore. Well, I, I mean, the IPA would lose literally every single troll we have. Yeah, exactly. If you put in a maximum age for Twitter. No, I mean, I don't. I don't like buying into this intergenerational conflict. Yes, I love the boomers. Boomer Pete. Uh, yeah, like by the way, quick aside, every single IPA troll on Twitter, like everyone thinks like uh, trolls are just like the the youth, yeah. like they're all over the age of seventy. Yeah. Every single one of them, it's incredible. Look through our replies. All right, uh, my villain this week is LeBron James. Now, oh, uh, two two funny. weeks out of two, I've get to, got to talk about the NBA, but I can only do it angrily. So LeBron James, uh, you know, everyone's familiar with the Hong Kong China uh, NBA story. So the NBA's pretty much come down and just said, if you're involved with the NBA, do not speak about this issue at all. Mm. Like, just put it away. Okay. Le- that doesn't apply to LeBron James, apparently, because in a press conference, uh, he said this. Uh, I don't believe, uh, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, uh, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand. And, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people... Uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say. Sorry, that's of course referring to Darren Mori, who originally set off the tweet about Hong Kong, the start of this all. Mm. Uh, not educated on this situation. Now, there's two ways of interpreting that. There's one which is you know probably factual, where LeBron is like, you weren't educated on my own financial interests in Hong Kong. Yeah. And the second one is like, if he's not educated about it, does LeBron James? Don't, doesn't think there's any human rights abuses in China. Yeah. Like, does LeBron like privy to something we don't know about? Yeah. Maybe is LeBron don't. James a communist? This yeah. is what I want to ask. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then uh, that got a lot of negative reaction, as you mm. can imagine, because it's an absolute shock of a statement. So yeah. LeBron went back. He thought, you know what? I probably uh, need to put in a statement about that. So here's what he tweeted. It's coming up on the screen now for people watching on YouTube. I'll read it out. My team in the league, uh, my team and this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what could happen. Could have waited a week to send it. (laughs) Difficult week. The real victim here, you know, you see like a kid getting shot at point blank range in Hong Kong. You're seeing thousands of people on the street. The real victim in all this is LeBron James. As I've said for weeks, the real, what, what will happen to LeBron James as a result of these protests? Uh, Here's another tweet from LeBron James I just want to point out from uh, last year's Martin Luther King Day. Injustice every- anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Unless, of course, I stand to lose money from it. Fi- like, money from it. Uh, this is disgusting. Oh, mate, this bloke is an absolute shocker. Yeah, he is terrible. Like, you know... Uh, 
Only stand up for things when you can profit from them later. Oh, is I, the message I'm getting from LeBron James. And for those who don't know, like this guy's always commenting on issues in America. Yeah. He's always talking about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, you know, he said up. I'd kneel with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So because it didn't cost him money. So presumably, if you know police violence against African American people cost yeah. him money, yeah, he wouldn't be interested in it. Yeah, presumably at some point. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm out on LeBron. <laughs> he could say, you know, I'm a basketball player. I don't know about this stuff, whatever. But he doesn't say that. He no, gets he says uh, anyone that criticizes Hong Kong is misinformed about the issue. Yeah. All right. He's, he might be a communist. All right. Uh, that is it for the start of the show. So we now have got uh, all of our interviews and the quiz. So that is Amanda Stoker, uh, Luca Rossi, and the quiz. So let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We now welcome on to the show Senator Amanda Stoker. Uh, this is exciting. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to be with you. All right. Amanda, you're one of the rising political stars in the Liberal Party, uh, me and Pete would say, and we loved your article in The Australian last week, and we wanted to talk to you about that. So how did your background spark your decision to become a Liberal Party member? Yeah, look, I was a kid during the recession we had to have, right? And so my first kind of political memory was of sitting on the lino floor in a kitchen while my mum was on the phone to the bank kind of asking for more time because mum and dad were running a plumbing business from home and um, interest rates were 18% and they were absolutely struggling with it. They were trying to keep it all going and um, you know they, they worked so hard and I just remember thinking at the time, it isn't right for people who are totally responsible, they're backing themselves into business, they're trying to employ other people and contribute, are finding it this hard. And I, I didn't understand why that was as a kid. I was only about six, right? And as I got older, um, I saw them doing exactly the same thing under the Howard government and they really prospered. And I had to know why that was happening and that led me to read, that led me to try and understand the different uh, political philosophical traditions and um, it made me decide that um, a small government, free market, um, high freedom way of doing things helps everybody reach their potential. Right. Now, one of the things you said in your article, Amanda, is that it's the left, not the right, that reduces people to economic units trying to accrue uh, material wealth. That's exactly right. Why does everyone, or not everyone, but why do a lot of people think the opposite is true? It's a combination of things, I think. Um, it's, a, it's a concept that I first started thinking about after having read Barry Goldwater, who was you know, the US presidential candidate all those years ago that never quite got there. But he wrote this great book called The, the Conscience of a Conservative, where he explains this stuff. Um, and it's, it's really interesting that the left seemed to be understood by many people to have this monopoly on compassion and kindness when... Um, they're very good at spending other people's money, that's true, but ultimately they don't see people as um, more than one-dimensional. In their um, socialist desire to reduce everybody to classes and demand that they economically progress into another class, and that they're the ones reducing people in all their complexity down to economic units and nothing more. Uh, What's exciting about um, looking at the world as a liberal is that you see both an economic and a spiritual creature, you know, the individuality and the creativity of, and the the unique gifts of every person really matter. Um, That's why we believe in small government, 
because one size fits all does not work to give us all our best version of a great life. We've got to do it differently. That's how we um, make the best of our society. Uh, what's really cool, I guess, about history is that it shows all the big advances we've made have been an um, an unleashing of the unique talents of uncommon people rather than trying to treat us all as one size fits. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, even if you accept, like, even if you just picture it as uh, people as purely economic things, it's clearly the government uh, needs to be limited. Like, all of history shows this, like, poverty shows this. It's only when government gets out of the way that people can really start improving their lives. Yeah, because governments don't do things efficiently. They don't understand the um, the personal and the moral and the the human considerations that drive us day to day. And um, when they try, they inevitably fail. It's, it's a bit like when you know those on the left talk about equality. Um, what they mean is equality of outcome. We like equality as liberals, but we like equality of opportunity because when you try and deliver a quality of outcome it one well one it can't be done right but even if you could it would be so disappointing it'd just be the lowest common denominator and um, that doesn't benefit anybody um it's, it's really fascinating but you, you asked why um people labor under this misconception and i think part of it is there has been a bit of a timidity on our side of politics in the last you know decade or so in which um, people have felt a little bit um, afraid to go there when it comes to matters sort of human and social and spiritual. They, they don't want to be called judgmental by going into discussions about um, kind of the personal or the moral. And um, that's, that's kind of meant that we've abdicated um, parts of the conversation in, in a way that we need to remedy. Uh, another topic we want to talk to you about is a big debate in Australia right now about the role of government in defending freedom of religion. Now, obviously, like with Israel Falau getting all the attention, it's like, what is the government's response going to be? So what is the role of the government in defending freedom of religion for Australians? Look, in, in a perfect world, um, the way government should go about this, I think, is to take a big step back and say, what's gone wrong here? What's gone wrong is that we've brought in a whole bunch of discrimination acts that too much fetter people's ability to uh, to think and to express and to manifest their religious beliefs. So that the right thing to do, as I see it, is to scale back um, and, or indeed remove entirely those those acts because they weren't truly needed in any event. I'm not saying the world was perfect and no one was ever horrible to one another. There were incidences, of course, but... Um, the common law had a way of dealing with this. Um, you couldn't incite someone to violence, for instance, on any basis, let alone a discriminatory one, um, uh, pursuant to the common law. And um, nevertheless, we brought these discrimination acts in and they've changed the landscape quite a lot. Um, so while I'd like to see us get rid of those laws, um, politics is the art of the possible. And so... Um, what the government is doing is instead of getting rid of the laws that are making this bad, they are instead trying to level the playing field by providing some protections for people 
who um, are a faith so that they feel able to to speak and to manifest that belief. I'm glad you mentioned in a perfect world you rip out all those discrimination laws, uh, Amanda, because one of the things I think a lot of our listeners are concerned about is the idea that a, a religious discrimination bill enforces the idea that freedom of speech or freedom of religion is a gift from a government. Is a gift from the government rather than a natural and right. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but you're absolutely right. Um, these rights are not things that governments give up, give us at their whim or take away. They are things that are inherent to who we are. And if, and if you're a person of faith, that means they are a natural right inherent in your um, in your very being as a um, gift from God. If you're not a religious person, it means it's, it's core to who you are as a human. Governments can't take it away with a stroke of a pen. And so um, there needs to be a lot more understanding in our political conversations and more broadly about, I think, natural rights and um, some of the harm that's been done by so many people looking at rights through the framework of international human rights law rather than through the framework of natural rights. Uh, Manny, you've been so generous with your time, but one thing we also uh, wanted to get you on just before you were left for a committee meeting, I think it was. She's chairing as well. Uh, yeah. That you're chairing is uh, higher education. Now, we know you're doing a whole lot of awesome work in the subject of higher education and freedom of speech at uni, so it's going to suck that this is going to be a 25 words or less answer, but how do we get freedom of speech back at Australian universities? Look, we need to make sure that the people who are running our universities understand the absolute non-negotiable necessity of intellectual freedom. And if they don't understand it and they don't um, enforce that as a cultural um, discipline in their institutions, then we need to be prepared to, I think, pull the levers of government that say you don't get taxpayer money if you aren't prepared to adhere to these fundamental principles. Because if you don't safeguard free speech and intellectual freedom, a university is not fulfilling its public purpose. It is not going to be a proper custodian of um, true Australian culture. It is not going to be a place where people can genuinely toss around ideas or, or become robust in their ability to engage. And it's not going to become a place where uh, new ideas can get tested and challenged if people don't feel like they're able to speak. Well, that's very important. Senator Amanda Stoker, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Stay up. All right, we're here with Luca Rossi, a Generation Liberty member from Monash University, my old stomping ground. Luca, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks very much for having me. So the first thing we'd like to ask is now, you are in particular interested in the battles around climate change going on around Australia and around university campuses. Why is that? Um, well, I guess people are kind of getting sick of the climate thing just because it's on the news all the time. But yeah, yeah, what can... is interesting, I actually saw a, um, an article by Andrew Bolt where he was talking about how it's become more of a cult, more of a kind of religion. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting because they've got their prophet, Greta. They've got their demons, everyone else, who doesn't <laughs> believe in climate change. Yeah. And they've got, they've got their traditions now, which we see every day at Flinders Street Station, mm -hmm. stopping hardworking people from actually getting to work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably the most interesting thing is that how it's gone from a movement to an actual religion and like a cult um, that's kind of permeated every aspect of society. 
Yeah, and I think that like there's been a switch because so many people were you know part of the climate strike a few weeks ago, or you know were saying like, oh, it's so brave that they're doing that, and then you get to these kind of protesters, and you're just like. So please stop. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that just much, seems yeah. to be an absolute turning of the tide on public sentiment. Just like, I just want to go to work and I just want to go home. Please get off the road. Yep, that's right. Everyone had sympathy for the kids, but now it's like middle-aged people doing the <laughs> yeah. runs. It's yeah. not as much. Anyway, so, but how's that manifested itself on university campuses? Like, what, oh. what have you seen down there at Monash? Since I've left, actually, it's probably not as, you know, under control as it used to be. <laughs> definitely not. Um, you've definitely got areas very specific areas that you want to avoid mm -hmm. just because they are rabid. Okay. <laughs> I've, been, I've been shouted out a couple of times. My friends have been shouted out just for saying, no, thanks, I don't want to leaflet. You really? are the literal reason that climate refugees are being tortured on Nauru. That's <laughs> really? the quote. That's the quote. Oh, I thought you meant you said that. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> what they like, were wow. screaming at us. <laughs> All right. Like they scream, they shout. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, you know, just recently we had our elections mm -hmm. and we had one party called Together and the other one which was just a single party climate policy sort of party thing. And um, it's just the same policies. You have no one else to vote for. Um, so you either go with climate plus all the other stuff or just climate and they don't know what to do with the rest of the campus. Yeah, yeah, making sure there's food. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty much making sure that everything runs well, you know, that just single, single policy party. Um, yeah, but that's what Monash is come to. Has so, Monash always been a problem university? So Pete, do you have any experiences from your time? Well, I was lefty when I was at Monash, but wow. I was a very Ooh. like disinterested, like I didn't really. Yeah. I wasn't that interested. You liked a few, you, would, you had the equivalent of just liking a few tweets about the climate strike. Exactly. Obviously we didn't have Twitter back in my day, James, <laughs> but yeah, the equivalent of You engraved of that. a few things in rocks that were <laughs> yeah, I said benefit. Carrier pigeons uh, expressing my displeasure. No. So Luca, uh, you said there were areas of the university that, that that happens. Where is that? Like around the oh. cafeteria? No, no, no. So, so we have. Yeah, you definitely don't want to go near the cafeteria, but I think they target that just because that's where everyone goes to eat. Um, learning and teaching building, which mm -hmm. is kind of worrying. Oh yeah. Considering they're the ones who are supposed to be teaching the next generation. Mm -hmm. um, for example, there was recently in Sydney that socialism conference. They had posters everywhere around that building, um, and also Menzies because that's okay. arts faculty. That's right. So yeah, you kind of want to divert away from those yeah because i was like i went to university of melbourne too and like i was recently in the u.s at a college with my brother and i just saw like community notice boards that weren't covered in marxism posters and i thought wait is that is that actually what Whoa. posters like these boards are supposed to be because yeah. like i just get to the point where i'm like i've never seen one without 15 different stand-up for marxism rallies <laughs> is that like monash uni too it's exact monash uni is they're, they're thick. The, the, the poles are How thick with layers of posters <laughs> and posters of just of socialism, Marxism, this conference, that conference. Let's fight capitalism, fight the patriarchy, fight this, fight that. You can't, you can't escape it. There was some mildly centrist poster. I can't remember what it was for that was put up. And I saw probably a professor. He was wearing one of those rainbow colored lanyards, which they all wear now. Mm -hmm. And um, he was going around and he was turning the posters upside down and putting them on the side of the poles that would be facing away from people walking past. Taking the yeah. centrist one. Yeah, the centrist yeah, yeah. one and like turning it upside down or trying to cover it or just tearing it off and throwing it in the bin. Um, and he's a professor, I assume. So it's just, yeah, you can't have a different point of view. Yeah. And don't put up a poster. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things we like to ask all our uh, young people that come in here, Luca, is what hor horror stories have you got from the tertiary education sector? Is there anything that, you've already given us a couple to be fair, mm -hmm. but have you got any more that you can share with us? Yeah, well, apart from the one where I got screamed at about torturing refugees, there's... You've got to stop that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I need to check my privilege. But there was a... Um, we were in a global studies class mm -hmm. and someone... The question was, what do you... Um, 
what do you think has been good for the, the world? And it was in the context of like globalization or something. And someone shouted Donald Trump. <laughs> was that you? Or? Excellent. No, that wasn't but me. Excellent I, was, troll move. I was going to, but this guy, he got me. He was right at the back. He, he got to it first. And a girl sitting at the front, she turned around and she goes, who the F said that? Right in front of the lecture. Who the F said that? F you. Get out. Right? Oh. Screaming. And the lecturer, instead of kicking her out or something, just goes, guys, guys, we need, yeah. we need to calm down. You yeah. know? And it's like she's literally swearing at one of your other students for having a different opinion in your lecture. Kick her out. On an open, uh, open platform. Open platform. <laughs> what happened to the safe space? Yeah, apparently. exactly. Right? But yeah, rabid. Uh, you but go. you're enjoying Generation Liberty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. It's great. It's really good. Would what, recommend. what attracted you to Generation Liberty and the ideas of liberty more generally? How did, the, how did you come to it? Well, the ideas of liberty generally, that was from my parents because they've, especially mum, she's Malaysian and the way Malaysia's gone and going, um, it's just the antithesis of what liberty is about. Um, so she's very passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And dad, coming from an immigrant family as well, coming running away from you know fascist Italy, that's in him was also inculcated freedom and that's what he's tried to pass on to myself and then ipa my parents joined the ipa and they said you know you should you should check this out um so i did and then turns out there was a gen liberty arm and rest is history fantastic stuff with, with malaysia what what exactly because i'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't 100 across the malaysian story what and at least 50 percent of the hosts so <laughs> if you could elaborate so yeah yeah going a bit more detail oh well it's I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone saw it was plastered all over the news recently. The, um, the, prime, the party that had been in for 60 years since mm -hmm. they became independent was elected out. And it was, they, there were raids of their houses and stuff. And it was, for example, the, the wife had a wardrobe that was full of just handbags, really, really expensive, like hundreds of thousands of dollars of handbags, mm -hmm. for example. Right? And it's because the thing is that there's a cap on how much politicians can make. So obviously what they've been, and everyone knows that's what they've been doing. And finally there was an investigation. They've just been siphoning money out of the banks, oh, okay, and, yeah. you know, different sort of funds. I think there was, there was something to do with the Wolf of Wall Street, the movie by Martin Scorsese as well, like the funding to do with that, that really? was tied into it as well. Um, yeah, so it's just really, really corrupt. And now it's becoming more and more um, Islamic extremist mm -hmm. as well, the policies and things like that. So, you know, so mum now, for example, she's switched over, she's become an Australian citizen. Right, and um, just trying to get away from that increased control. I reckon a lot of our Generation Liberty co campus coordinators and also a lot of Generation Liberty members have parents from countries that aren't as free as Australia. Is that something you found? There's a lot of uh, pair children of immigrants who know what it's like to not live in a free society. Oh yeah, definitely. And they're the ones who are the most zealous about keeping our society free as well, which is a great thing. You know, we try and defend it. And if you see it, if you see things repeating themselves, right, from your prior experiences or your parents' prior experiences, you try and stop it. Um, so having that sort of background definitely helps seeing the patterns. Fantastic stuff. All right, Luca, thank you so much for coming on the program. If you're at Monash University, uh, look out for more activities from Generation Liberty that will be coming up soon. Luca, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks very much.
Okay, we got another round of Hey, What Did We Miss? The Young IPA Podcast yep. Quiz. Uh, this is a big one. I've assembled two of the brightest minds to bring down Peter Gregory here at the IPA. This is what you've come up with. This is your big plan. <laughs> this is, this is my best and my brightest. Yeah, Pat and uh, Kurt were the only people downstairs. But we do have Pat Hannaford, we've got Kurt Wallace, and we've got returning champion Peter Gregory. Three of the two last four. Three of the last here. four. Mm. Guys, look, pressure is on, all right? I can't – like, Pete just lords around the office when he wins a few – and uh, I can't have this level. Did I someone can't say have this dynasty? Level Peter. <laughs> I think you keep saying dynasty. Yeah. All right, so how are we feeling, boys, by the way? Oh, absolutely sensational, Bob. Sensational? Kurt? Yeah, pretty confident. Oh, slightly less than Pat, but uh, <laughs> I like the subdued nature in Pete. Oh, I just do this for fun now, mate. This yep. is just all part of the process. All right, so uh, for people that aren't familiar with the quiz, as I quickly write up a scoreboard for myself, Pat and Pete have, uh, and then Kurt, just with a K. Uh, one point on for correct answers, one point off for incorrect answers. I've got a fair few closest to the mark questions, That's so uh, there won't be too many points off. But uh, I will need you to guess closest to the mark. What I've done stupidly with this quiz, by the way, is I've indented the questions rather than the answers. So there might be some surprise Jeopardy rounds where I've said the answer out loud because I'm used to this. And you just have to figure out what the question was. Uh, anyway, all right. Sorry, without any further ado. Uh, oh, by the way. Um, buzzers. Buzzers. Yeah. Your buzzer is your first name. So Pat? Pat. Yep. Good. Kurt. Yep. <laughs> roof, roof. Roof, roof. As a roof seal. Uh, so just an easy question just to get it off uh, the ground. Anyway, so question one. If we're ready. Question we one. Go. How much money did the climate rebellion cost Victoria? Roof, roof. roof. Three million. Correct. Man, he's off to a flyer. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. I need, I need a <laughs> bit more big. for you out of that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, question two. Uh, who was planning to fly a hot air balloon over Parliament House roof, in Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Um, so I don't know if you want the individual the organisation, but the Greens. The Greens. Okay. Uh, would have accepted Richard Di Natale, yep. uh, but it was a wide move from the Greens. Yep. And they got nixed by, uh, I think, Flight Security. Said, uh, uh, Casa, is it? Casa? Yeah. The, the same people that banned our drone mates from using their drones. So, anyway. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Scott Morrison's new nickname, or at least so says the Australian, is The Water Boy. Why? Kurt. Kurt. Because he was a water boy at the rugby... Uh, last week Yes So Prime Minister's 13 rugby game He was handing out the waters And smashing the beers as well S Smashing the beers The beer boy yeah. <laughs> You can go water boy You can go beer boy Whichever one you want yeah. uh, Alright Question four Score check Pete's on two yeah. Kurt's on one Pat Haven't even heard a peep out of you mate Need you to uh, pitch in uh, Josh Frydenberg Has asked the HLPC To investigate banks Who don't pass on the rate cuts How many banking inquiries Have there been Since the GFC Ooh. Pat He's Closest right. two gets it Three Three Oh, it's more than three. I mean, it could be uh, <laughs> four. Gonna go four. Nah, it's like eleven. It's it's fifty-seven. Okay, yeah. <laughs> 57 oh, I actually thought inquiries. I was gonna say something in the fifties, but these guys spent me anyway. <laughs> the three and the four. Um, so th this one will be the one that solves it, though. Yeah. This one will be the one that solves banks who are acting terribly and uh, is definitely going to make sure there's never any bad things ever again. Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Just need one more. Uh, all right, uh, next question. So Nobel Peace Prize winner Abiy Ahmed won because he helped stop a war between Ethiopia and which other nation? Eritrea. Eritrea is correct. Uh, sorry, Pete's on three, Kurt's on two, Pat still nothing. Uh, no, I'm on four. Are you on four? Yep. I've got the four? last two. Is this two another scoring error? Oh, yeah, yep. uh, sorry, but yep. Sorry, Bolt's on minus one because of that. Uh, just glad Pat's microphone's working. Uh, <laughs> what is the name of the entertainment company company that took prize money away from one of its players for Pat. standing up for Hong Kong? Good Pat. There we go. Pat is on the board. Uh, what was Eloide Kipchoge's finishing time in the marathon this week? Ooh, uh, closest uh, two gets it. Okay. Uh, one hour, 59 minutes, 
40 seconds. Okay, you're not going to get any closer than that. That's literally the right answer. <laughs> so I think Kurt's got it. I was going to say 157. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, my best is two hours and two minutes. So not quite, <laughs> yeah. not quite there. But Remember yeah, that no, day, there was a pub having a happy hour drinks 42.2 kilometres away. Just 41 k's away. So I got on my bike. Uh, all right. Uh, in the UK, the Queen's speech uh, has Pat. just taken place. Pat. Oh, what's the uh, question? They closed the door in their face. Incorrect. Uh, uh. That is the point <laughs> of The Queen's face. The first point of <laughs> the Queen's face as well. Imagine that. That would be a rash institution. <laughs> that would be. That's the one Rod, where yeah, they closed yeah. the door. Yeah. Uh, the only shockwaves will go off if the queen was just slammed the <laughs> yeah, door. That's all part of the pageantry. Uh, all right. Uh, the question uh, in the UK: the Queen's speech takes place this week. How long has Queen Elizabeth been queen for? Uh, that's a good. Are we do this closer to the pin. Yeah, closer to the pin. Well, do I still get the answer? No, you you answered. Uh, <laughs> close the door in her face. That's not quite <laughs> not close to the answer. Actually, so my guess, yeah. roof roof, would be uh, what year is it now? Two thousand nineteen. I reckon it's. 66 years. 66 years. Yep. Good. Uh, 65. It's 67. So oh, <laughs> what did I say? He gets it. Yeah, you win. Uh, all right. Uh, last question. Sorry, another quick score check. So Pete on five, Kurt on three, Pat on negative one. Have we ever had someone finish in the negatives? Oh, we Surely. discussed that before the show. I think there was one. I think it was... It was either me or someone else. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I can't remember. I think right. the answer is yes, though. This is becoming a dynasty. All right. Uh, like, wasn't I on one before? Uh, no, oh, yeah, you're on zero. Sorry, my bad. Not my best <laughs> effort so far. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> so, because he could still come back in the. Who am I? Yeah, you could do another five point Hail, uh, yeah. Hail Mary, which was still just the best moment ever. Yeah. All right. Andrew Bushnell's new criminal justice report looks at how private prisons can help reduce reoffending. Go to ipa.org.au if you want to read more. Taxpayers spend $15 billion every year on criminal justice, but what percentage of prisoners return to prison within two years Kurt. of their release? Kurt, closest to gets it. 46%. It's next to my uh, bed, but I haven't managed to get through Bushy's report yet yep. on this. So I'd say... Uh, Still uh, Taylor Two Cities. 35%. 35? Yeah. Uh, I'll that, go 42. Uh, it is 46, which was Kurt's answer. I think... Uh, did you get it right? Kurt knew that. That's really <laughs> good. Why did we go through me and Patty having guesses? <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> you absolute... 46 uh, just seemed about right. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just from my general observation. Based on all the criminals Kurt knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just wanted to see you two squirm, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Sorry. Who am I? Uh... Quick score check. Yeah, score check. Uh, so Pete is on five. Kurt is on four. Ooh. Pat is on zero. Uh, Pat can win it. He can equalise. He can equalise and, and go into penalties. a tie tiebreaker, sure, yeah. which again I've just never <laughs> bothered to put a question together for. Uh, all right. So who am I for five points? Uh, I became. Uh, I died eight hundred. What have I written down here? Eight hundred three years ago this Saturday. Oh, that's a good question. Eight hundred three years ago. Do you lose a point for guessing? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to guess then. <laughs> but if it was I've no, no and this was off the board, what well, would you I, guess? I, I just no want to know idea. what your point is. I have no idea. I was just, yeah. Anyone that would be 12, 15. You have to guess here. You buddy. have to guess. Otherwise, no, I can, if I wait till the next stop question. Stop trying I to look at the I'm answer. Not, I'm not looking at the <laughs> If I if I wait till the next question, I may call with Pete, right? No, no, uh, Pete's on five. You're on zero, so you have to go right now. You, okay. you know, this is a hail mary. Uh, I will go with. Uh, oh, do you know what? Prince John. Can I guess? Prince John? King John. Well, oh, I kind of fed you it. 
Is that right? <laughs> it's King John. Are we yes. saying that? He said Prince yeah. John. He wasn't Prince nah. at one point. What did you say? I well, said Prince John. Is that your final answer? And then he just thought about it. And then he changed to King John. Yeah. If that's all right. Come on. I'll, I'll give that. That's amazing. All which right. number though? Oh, it doesn't matter which number. Well, there's only one. Which okay. is one of the So he's done it again. Essentially, that is what Paddy's done it again. So we're all tied up. Yeah. Unlucky Kurt. Sorry, Kurt. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there will be a tiebreaker. Well, uh, Kurt, if you could think of a question, why, question. Uh, <laughs> the loser has to think of a question. <laughs> or if you want to talk amongst <laughs> yourselves, why I'd quickly think of one that got axed at the last second. Well, I can't believe you. I mean, I don't feel like that moment got the, the gravity it deserved. Like, you just done it again, Paddy. <laughs> King John. Okay, I've now thought of a tiebreaker question. Uh, that was a seamless transition, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely professionally run here. So, still minus one for a... For a mistake? Uh, well, sorry. No, no, no. This is just whoever gets it right. So both of you will have the oh, chance okay. to answer, but only one of you can get it right. And if please don't both get it right. So it's not like we go, but wouldn't it be one of us comes in first? Yeah, yeah. The buzzer comes in first because God, God help me if I have to think of another one. So again. if the person gets in first and gets it wrong, they... You don't lose a point. No, they lose a point and then they're they're on equal second. (laughs) (laughs) And then Kurt comes in to challenge for it. Okay. All right, sorry. Uh, Pat, Pete, hands on buzzers. Still not 100% clear what the the rules are, but that's all right. All right, so, okay. So it's just like a regular question. If you get it wrong, uh, the other person has a chance to steal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Done. Uh, Don't get it wrong, Patty. Today, uh, a Labor MP has passed and put forward a motion saying he wants Parliament to debate declaring the climate emergency. What was the MP's name? Uh, Mark Butler. He was correct. Oh, it's a winner. <laughs> nowhere. Oh, my head. It's came off. <laughs> That's one of the greatest comebacks in uh, quiz history. That is better. The Stephen Bradbury uh, would be ashamed. <laughs> so, Paddy Hannaford's done that twice. No, he didn't I win last like time. I just like to make it But he got the five-pointer yeah. twice. Makes it dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Okay, add, I was... some, add some suspense Sorry, to the quiz. Pat, Pat didn't even go to answer a question until, what, seven? Don't know. He was just sat there waiting for no, King John to I think I got one wrong. You gotta chill and then you gotta go off. You gotta pick your moments and then you hit hard. Well, worthy winner, Pat. Congratulations. Right, well done. Pat, we'll have you back on next week. Uh, and Pete, uh, the back dynasty. Back on next week also. <laughs> yeah, the dynasty hurts. <laughs> that's all right. This is a hit to the dynasty. I'll still, I'm still going pretty well. But Kurt, you were doing very well up until the very end there, so that's a tough one. Did you know the answer to the Who Am I? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, well, we only got one question. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, did, I did look at the uh, criminal justice report and uh, I thought you were going to ask about how many private prisons there were. How, how many private prisons are there, Pat? Eight. That's a good question for next week. <laughs> Just for the people out there. Eight private prisons. All, All right, off. cool. Uh, we've got some more show for you after this. A dynasty no longer, Pete. I can't believe he's done that twice. Like twice, he's yep. got the five pointer off an absolute, you know, guess. Maybe yes. not a guess, an educated guess. I've had some time to think about it, and I should not have paid because I had a, uh, I should not have paid Pat that question because oh, okay. I had a slight inflection in my voice yeah. at the end where I said Prince John. Well, I mean, it's not which, too late to stick. Which uh, the leads to witness. It is too late. <laughs> I feel like I'm not telling it's a pad. Happened ten seconds ago. I, I am not telling it's a pad. Like seeing his little face. No, that's all right. All right. Uh, I can't win every week. No, you can't. Uh, Pete, uh, before we get into the stories and mm. the segments that have made us laugh this week, uh, we want to just mention Harold Bloom. That's right. Sad note. Harold Bloom, uh, 89, died this week. Uh, an American literary critic, one of the greatest uh, literary critics of all time. His most famous book was The Anxiety of Influence, which talked about how authors wrestled with uh, their influences. So the people, yeah, that, I get uh, that. The people that yeah. inspired them. And things like that. James knows where he's coming from. Yep. He also wrote bestsellers, The Western Canon and The Book of Jay. If you're a fan of literature and you've not heard of Harold, get on the internet 
and uh, look around. There's heaps of articles about him, heaps of obituaries and things like that, as well as all the stuff he's written. So, uh, look, he was very strong on the Western canon, maintaining Western literature as it was, uh, as it's been going out of fashion at Western universities. He worked at Yale University and he said, criticism in the universities, I'll have to admit, has entered a phase where I'm totally out of sympathy with 95% of what goes on. It's Stalinism without Stalin. (laughs) That's so that pretty good. Gives you a bit of a flavor. All right. Uh, let's get to one of our segments that we like doing, which is let's just wait three days. Now, yeah, like these are four stories where the media just gets a bit too far ahead Ooh. of itself. They go, that'll get some clicks, mm. and they don't wait the necessary cooling off time before mm. they go all in on a story, mm. and then the story turns out to be false. Inspired by an actual conversation you had with a mate. I. Sure. <laughs> I don't really want to uh, toot my own horn too much with that one. But anyway, so I don't like, I'm not the only person in the world that's thought of a cooling no, off period. You specifically said, right. let's wait three days. And yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, anyway, so the ABC News over in America wanted to uh, highlight what's going down in Syria against Turkey, which is obviously a huge story around the world. Um, but they could have waited a few more days to see if their footage was real because they had some pretty hectic footage. Mm. And I think the clip explains what's going on. So mm. we'll go to the clip. This video, obtained by ABC News, appears to show the fury of the Turkish attack on the border town of Tel Okay, but the problem was, like, it looked really impressive. There was guns going off. There was explosions everywhere. It wasn't from Syria. It wasn't even from anywhere close to Syria. It wasn't from the Middle East. It wasn't from the western part of the world. It was uh, from the eastern part of the United States of America mm. at, a con- at a gun range called Knob Creek Gun Range in West Point, Kentucky. Knob Creek. J- just, like, uh, just like, hey, look what our guns can do down at the gun range. Yeah. And ABC News gets a clip and goes, this is clearly Syria. Yeah. Let's go with it. Well, I don't know how that happens. Like, is there a conversation at the back, you know, in the back room? We've got any footage of... Yeah. Oh, they won't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, just big explosions. Yeah. Things going boom. And also... Hell of how- an advertisement for the gun range. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, if you want to see some cool guns, we've got a place that literally gets confused for a war zone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. They'll have, you know, at least 17 new Facebook followers this week. <laughs> but I mean, what, what kind of gun range does that? Like, that's full on. There, it, like, for people that are listening instead of watching, like, that, there was a explosion that at least went 15 metres high in the air. Yeah. Like, there was some... You know, get, get yourself down to Knob Creek Gun Range. <laughs> Check <laughs> it out. cool stuff. It's worth every cent. Yeah. Uh, the other part, like, um, from this ABC report was ABC were also embarrassingly, they had to issue another correction mm. uh, because apparently this next clip wasn't actually from a Syrian warlord in the middle of the conflict. This is Sparta! I mean, it fooled me. It so you're saying me. that's not real? That's, that's actually from the movie 300. It fooled me as well. Sorry, I can, I'm, I've got some sympathy with the ABC yeah. News for falling for that one. It's tough. It's a tough industry. All right. Uh, next up is, uh, Pete, you saw something from Virginia Trioli yeah, well, this week. Another ABC, another little slip up. Virginia Trioli took over from John Fain on ABC Radio Melbourne's morning program this week. As, as we know, John Fain, oh, for those that don't know, maybe in other states, has been in that hot seat for many years. So he retired last week. And she had a minor slip up on her first episode she said this. I'm the first woman ever to be appointed to this program and I am so proud of that, particularly for what it means to every little girl riding in the back of the car to school this morning who might hear this. I can tell you, your voice belongs everywhere, so raise it up. Now, unfortunately for Virginia, Elizabeth Bond hosted the show in the late 70s, uh, so she wasn't the first woman actually to be the host of the show. Yeah. Now, I'm not usually, I'm not going to criticise her, you know, 
a bit of professional courtesy to a fellow broadcaster. You know, I'm not going to criticise her for making a mistake because people, it's hard to talk a lot and not say things that aren't true. The amount of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor of this podcast yeah. is so, baffling. So it's not, I'm not having a crack at Virginia for that. It's just that one of my criticisms of feminists is often that they're fighting battles that were won and, and uh, fought and won 40 years ago. And in this case, it's almost to the day, 40 years ago, where in fact there was a woman in that thing. And also because, you know, she was giving it large with the, all those little girls in the back seat, you know, their voices should be heard. It's like, you know, we've heard a woman on the radio before, Virginia. Yeah, at We're least once. Run. At least once. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, I've got another story. So, uh, you know, for people that are big fans of Andrew Yang or people that are fearing the world of automation, uh, it might be a bit further away than you think because here's a really fun story. Uh, so in Salt Lake Park, Los Angeles, someone tried to report a crime to a robot cop, like mm-hmm. a little robot cop. Uh, doesn't look like from the movie. It basically just looks like... Uh, like half an egg, and it's just wheeling around. But anyway, she tries to report a violent brawl breaking out nearby to this robotic cop, and the robot cop, what is it, uh, barked at Gabara to step out of the way. The high-tech device then rolled away while humming an intergalactic tune, pausing periodically to say, please keep the park clean. (laughs) I mean, still more effective than Victoria Police at solving these things, but uh, that's probably just not the kind of thing you want from a... Robotic policeman. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was a wild brawl. Like I, I, I thought it was just a. Yeah. Well, just, I thought she, it just started singing. Well, that's pretty intense. This has really tickled you, hasn't it? This story, James. I, I really like it. Uh, so the local police chief uh, Cosme Lozano said the robots, which cost between sixty thousand and seventy thousand a year, which is a lot to pay for uh, neglecting to fight crime and then walking away whistling. Yeah. Uh, to lease, uh, they're still in a trial phase. Okay. And that their alert buttons have not yet been activated. Well. Now here's my thing. The alert button being activated seems quite important to the factor that it is in a trial phase. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you have a trial for robots if you can't actually get them to be alerted to anything. Yeah, and how's anyone meant to know they're in a trial phase? Like, this woman's rolled up thinking, oh, I can yeah. get something to happen here. Yeah, I can talk to this thing from the future and maybe it'll solve it anyway, or at least tell me what's going to happen to it. Feels like the trial should continue. Uh, yes. Uh, he also said that law enforcement have not yet started advertising the robot's crime-fighting activities. Well, now, once again, <laughs> if you have a policeman that's also a robot... And you're not advertising the crime fighting capabilities of it. Yeah. Ditch the program. Yeah. Because yeah. until you can do that, you don't get to put the word police in front of the word robot. You just have an egg that goes around whistling things. Yeah. And exactly. I'm, it's costing $70,000 a year. Which is about the cost of a normal police. Yeah. Or just like put a boombox on a Roomba and just have it go around a park. <laughs> It'll save you tens of thousands of dollars. Anyway. Anyway, we'll, I could talk about this for a while because it is hilarious. We'll and keep I it up wish, to date. I wish there was a clip. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wish there was a That's what you want. Next time this happens, someone film it. All right, uh, Pete, tell us about the CFMEU. Okay, well, one of my favourite topics, about 140 contractors and subcontractors across the southeast Queensland region have agreed to implement a hot weather policy at the behest of the CFMEU. Now, it allows w- workers to walk off the job if the mercury hits 28 and the humidity hits 75%. So that's every day, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Uh, well, I think it's only uh, two weeks leave. I think the Bureau of Meteorology, which I know uh, you always trust, Peter, the Bureau yeah. of Meteorology data shows that there were 13 days over the past year where these conditions applied. I did say that and I just thought, that can't be right. <laughs> Every time I've been to Brisbane, I've spent sweating. So look, uh, if you're in Brisbane and you don't want to work too hard, get a job as a builder. I've got to say, like, 
if, if construction workers in Brisbane can get day-offs in those conditions, mm. CFMEU should come down to the podcast studios that we've been using exactly and we right. would be multi-millionaires. The amount of, like, I, look, I love doing <laughs> this podcast. The amount of sweat boxes and then now on this one, which is an awesome, awesome studio, but it does get a little chilly. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we we would be millionaires. Oh, we're the real heroes, James. Yeah. We're the, you know, we, do, we really risk ourselves to bring this podcast to you. Yes, exactly. All right, last story I want to talk about. Uh, the Victorian Liberal Party continues to just, suck uh here is the latest advertisement that the liberal party's put on their own facebook page their own facebook page and i'll explain why there it is in a minute so if we can get it up on the screen and for people listening at home uh or you know just listening in general anyway sorry it is a photo of daniel andrews looking a bit shady and it says Mm. labor has a secret plan to privatize vic roads rego department which means you'll pay more for sale vic roads we got it that is the liberal party to its own fan base. Yeah, yeah. Like, not even, like, the people that are, like, 50-50 and go, like, oh, privatisation, I don't know about that. That is, yeah. like, hey, you there, person that's voted Liberal, person that publicly likes a Liberal Party page, the other side, they're going to privatise something. Yeah. Like, does anyone know what the word Liberal be- liberal means in Victoria anymore? It's like we caught the ALP doing what we want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, God for us, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue to neglect our own principles. Yeah. Um, Disgusting. Mm. Like, uh, we give a lot of crap to Sydney, deservedly so, but we do give a lot of crap to Sydney. But we have got the Liberal and Lab- Liberal Party and the Labor Party in a race to see who will let the state control the most things. This I'm is, moving. This is your second rant for the show. Oh, yeah, I'm fired up today. I like it. Yeah, Pete, you should probably report me to the robot police officer and then yeah. bark at you and just wheel away and whistle a song. Uh, anyway, that is it for the show this week. Thank you to Amanda Stoker and to Luca Rossi. Uh, two really good interviews. Pete, sorry to hear that you lost the quiz, sorry. but you'll be back again next week. And so will Pat. And uh, yeah, so if you're listening or watching, you know, we're available on every single podcast app or platform. We're also filming the podcast and waving to the YouTube people right now and the Facebook Live people. Uh, if you have any people in your life that prefer to watch uh, podcasts rather than listen to them, let them know that we're doing that. And if you are listening through Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. It helps us out with the rankings. And Pete, you've got something? I do. If you're in Melbourne this Sunday at 3 p.m., get along to the Stand Up for Nuclear event at Spring Street. Check it out on Facebook. No one loves nuclear energy more than Peter. See you guys next week. Stay up. Stay up.